carbonly conversation. Quick question. Is this the podcast? Are we doing the podcast right now? Thank you, Carbonly Sponsors. As you all know, we're brought to you by our pure will and desire to keep the Carbonly conversation going. And until someone wants to pony up and help pay for us to make this our real-time jobs, we're going to keep bringing you the conversations. It's like today, we're on part two of the Carbonly Showdown series of annuals versus perennials. And as we left off last week... Shane was team perennial. Steven was team annual. I'm pretty sure they kept their sides here coming into second week because they are heavy handed, fox gloved, and ready to rumble about like which annual, which perennial, or should I just go into one camp or the other? And for those of you that listened last week, we talked about the the price, the cost, and in a surprising sweep of of opinion. The annuals lost to the perennials in the cost because those perennials, because they persist, can keep going on and on. And you can start to divide them, maybe make some income off of them to go buy some more perennials or even, dare I say, annuals. And then we left it with uh, the beauty, the appearance, and and just annuals does it for us. Like, they pop with color. There's variety. Like Stephen shared, he could have three annual beds going by the time Shane's hostas are just establishing their root hold and maybe we'll grow into next year. You know, not the prettiest of things when you got like one or two green strands hanging out. But over time, they'll, they'll make it up. So let's follow up with our recap. See how state stain. Oh, my God. Stain and Sheevan. Um, Stephen and Shane are doing. <laughs> Stain and Sheevan. Um, that should be our new podcast names. Um, we're doing and an, any fun facts after this this wonderful weekend where we all celebrated our moms and other important mothers in our lives. Like any anything that you want to share or reminisce about the weekend, or are you ready to like duke it out? I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of annuals were bought this weekend. That's right for mothers. <laughs> that's right. Oh my god, because that's that, how you show you care. <laughs> that's how you show you care. Um, Nobody um, gives their mom a hosta. <laughs> no, no, they they give her a a, a hanging basket, usually draped yeah. with geraniums or petunias or yeah. or something gorgeous that won't make it to the end of the season. Nope. Yeah. Well, who needs that's Mother's Day is only one day. You know <laughs> what? Are you, what are you gonna give your mom like? Uh. Uh a basket full of dirt and tell them that the root systems are growing in. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some moms may really appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) They just want to be appreciated, but yes, I'm, I'm going to Google while we, we get in this, the end of the the round two of this, but I'm going to look, see what mother's day correlation to hanging baskets and annuals are. I'm sure we'll see if I can find an interesting set of data here while we, we continue this conversation. And it's funny because Mother's Day comes in the perfect time, especially depending on where you live. Like mm-hmm. May is May is when all the your Lowe's and your Home Depots and your garden centers just start getting flooded with 
who na- you name it, you know. So it's it's, yep. it's kind of funny. Like Mother's Day comes perfect time for for mm-hmm. these annual flowers. Yeah, which, which came first, the Mother's Day garden sale event or Mother's Day? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that's right. True, and yeah, that's true. Hopefully, everyone took advantage. If if anyone. You know, hopefully everyone took advantage of the Mother's Day garden sales. There's there's some pretty good prices out there. Is is Mother's and Father's Day just? I feel like this is there's a conspiracy theory here, but is Home Depot behind all of this? Because like Father's Day, Home Depot's in there talking about your power tools and your saws and your band cutters, and then Mother's Day, it's like we also sell flowers. Come through. Home Depot cleans up around these yeah. days, and, and how gendered the like the sales are. Like moms yeah. want yeah. the flowers, dads want the like. I mean, yeah, I, I know this is a this podcast isn't... of three men, and we're all talking about flowers because we're interested. Yeah, yeah. I mean, gardening and growing—what a great gift to give to the planet. I mean, it may be one of the first things we learned from our planet Earth. Grow, mm. nurture. Yeah. I mean, agriculture. Like, I guess we could really go deep in agriculture annuals, perennials, because we were talking last week. Stephen was harvesting mangoes that are just drooping over the the property lines on the sidewalks. Those yeah. are clearly a perennial plant, you know. But yeah. <laughs> okay, gentlemen, are we ready? So we covered cost. We covered appearance. Now we're gonna dig in in the annual versus perennial conversation on pollinators. How does this help or benefit the ecosystem of the animals and insects around them? Which one does a better job? This one, this one was a tough one. I tried to do some research to see like if, if it's an actual fact of which one is better as pollinators but from from what i've found pollinators really it just it really depends on like the color and the odor of the flower is what really is is the biggest impact of a pollinator um so like i guess from what i from what i've read is like bright white yellow or blue flowers um ultraviolet patterns and then that have like a fresh pleasant odor are the most are the more effective pollinators, which you can get both in annuals and um, perennials. Um, but perennial, like definitely, I think it goes back to what we mentioned last episode with like your native, your native species of plants. I think that is kind of the 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 main. Um, the main thing that you may want to look at if you are creating a pollinator garden is to use things that are native um, to your mm-hmm. area. Don't want to confuse the birds and the bees. Yeah. <laughs> they want to know they're in Ohio. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it is. This one is tough, but I, um, I'm i a diehard annuals fan. So... Um, I think annuals take it because of the reason why, you know, annuals won the last category is, um, you know, because of our looks, because of our diversity, like 
we um we have like a bunch of different and more vibrant colors so we can attract different pollinators whether it's butterflies or bees or whatever um and also because of um i think i don't know like if 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 there's more variety then there's more of like i think it's just increasing your chances you know um I don't really have like a strong argument on this one. I'm going to be honest. Uh, Cause I couldn't find, usually I yeah. like the way I prepared was like trying to find what perennials mm-hmm. didn't do well <laughs> and see where annuals could just fit in uh, just for the purposes of this debate. But like when I was looking this up, it was just, um, I don't know. There's, there's, there's pros and cons in the same category for both. So it, I don't know. Should should we should we shake hands on this one, Shane? Like I'm willing to call this round a draw. Um, well, okay. I'll, I'll I'll weigh in a little bit. What Chad thinks. And yeah. and this is this is not researched and it's not published publicized anywhere, but it's just observation over time around plants. And if mm-hmm. I think about um, hummingbirds, right, like. Do, where have I seen hummingbirds outside of a hummingbird feeder are more often on annuals or more often on perennials. And I'm like, my memory serves me. It's biased, of course, but I've seen them on both. They love petunias. They love like the perennial plants. Like they're there to slurp that, that, that nature's <laughs> nurturing syrup, right? It's there. Bees and wasps Wait, and petunia- other like, are petunias petunias are annuals, right? They're annuals, right? But my point is, like, I don't think the hummingbirds care as long as they have the nectar that they're looking for, right? Um, same with pollinator bees and and such. I would make a case that if you're just, um, sorry, I got distracted there. I'd make a case that the annuals, because they usually it's color and they're they're more frequently blooming, and there's like a big surge of it like the bees and the wasp get punch drunk glove on like all that pollen and nature and nurturing but if you have an established perennial garden there's gonna be just as much and maybe over a longer like from the whole season that the bees are not are active and i've seen both like like because in in essence like this is a place where i think annuals and perennials come together because that's that diversity of life um Mm -hmm. that really matters um, and I'm sure like I've helped my family members in another like community groups plant, like, um, they call them butterfly gardens. I've even helped design ones that are shaped exactly like a butterfly, but they're mostly filled with like, I guess we'll pull out the foxgloves again, you know, and other, um, perennial style plants. But because the beauty of it, you want to like decorate it with some of these great looking animals. So you like get that all set up as well. I, I agree with the tie because I think if we had an ornithologist or an entomologist on here, both the study of birds and insects, we could go down a giant rabbit hole and they'd explain like how this native plant, you know, matches with this native insect and here's how they all work. Um, so I'm, I'm rambling now because it's like overcomplicated. 
I think yeah. that the answer is like have both attract these pollinators and and enhance your ecosystem, and when possible, stay local and native. Yeah, and another tip would be to if you're making a pollinator garden to mix to have many different types to where they have different bloom times to where when one starts, let's say bee balm, those will usually bloom until like September. Um, June, June through September. So you want to find, you want to find a, a mixture to where it can actually have that pollinator garden running longer. Um, so that once, once one species of, of flowers starts to die down, you have other ones that are still fresh and healthy that the bees and the butterflies can feed on. But yeah, we can, uh, so if we recap, it's one annual, one perennial, and a tie. So that means this next category is a pretty mm-hmm. critical one. Wow. And I'm really hoping yeah. both of you came ready to really just. I think this next one is a no-brainer, but. Well, we're going to find out. So we talked a lot about, like, the ecosystem above ground. How about that ecosystem below ground? And that soil health topic. Listen, listen, I'm just going to I'm just going to address the the elephant in the room here. Um, Annuals, not we're we're pretty shallow, you know, Um, (laughs) both in our, you know, our quest for beauty and in our roots. Um, because of the quick bloom time, we're not really digging down into the roots to like, sort of like fortify things. Um, I do like, yeah, this is a debate, um, just for the purposes of fun, but I don't want, like, if you're, if you're tuning in, like about to plant a garden, I want to be kind of, I guess, forthright with certain things. So, like, if you have a garden bed full of um, of annuals and, you know, in Florida, we get, like, a lot of, like, sudden rain, um, it, it's, it's, I would say that perennials would take the cake because, um, because, like, the, we have, annuals have shorter roots. So, like, it's going to be maybe, like, a muddy mess when it's done. Like, you're going to have flowers maybe like floating down um there are things you could do to mitigate it you know raise garden beds things like that but um i think the like roots wise soil wise annuals would be better but but i will i will say because of the inherent beauty of annuals i would say landscape design um, and because they um, they they are high maintenance, you're gonna need to fertilize and take care of your soil even more than you would if you were just planting perennials. So, I think your soil is gonna be like you're gonna have to work at it more. But it's not necessarily like annuals aren't necessarily going to like. Coil cause soil erosion or take all the nutrients from your 
from your garden because you like just to have a successful garden anyways, you're going to need to fertilize and um, annuals take a lot of water. So you are going to have a healthy, you're going to have a healthy uh, lawn, a healthy garden. There. Twist. M. Night All right. Shyamalan. All my Mortal Kombat fans out there. This is, where, <laughs> this, is, this is where you insert the finish him sound clip. Oh, when my God. You're about to do a fatality move on your opponent. All right. Okay. I, so, <laughs> yes. Hit us up. All right. Hit us up. Combo attack. Let's go. So, the link will be in the bio of, of this article that I'm. <laughs> this man is coming with facts. Right. <laughs> so, where do I start? So in the United States, a majority of our agriculture consists of annual monocultures, right? Mm-hmm. Now, as a result of these practices, we lose about 23 billion tons of fertile soil every year for digging these up, right? Um, let's see. Because with annuals, each year, the plant has to be plucked out of the ground only to be replanted. Um, so you're, you're disturbing that you're disturbing the ground every single year because there's, you so don't have to, wanna, you, you don't necessarily have to. We talked about this but, earlier. If you leave, people do, people do, people do it. Okay. Now. So but what if annual, you leave them? What if you naturally garden, like you just let your garden run wild? They'll just come back. You don't have to really like they'll they'll sprout seeds and they'll come back. <laughs> they'll come back. It's not going to look as pretty as what shallow annual fans like. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, annual monocultures have led to poor soil health. And, and ground that is success, susceptible to soil erosion after heavy rains or wind due to a lack of strong root systems. So our perennials, our strong roots actually have an advantage. You know, yeah, it may take up more room in the soil, but there's an advantage to that. And perennials, you can just plant. You may have to, you may have to deadhead some things at the end of, this, uh, of the season. Um, and cut them back so that they'll flourish even more. But you're not having to disturb the soil at all. Um, and then also with annuals, being that the roots are so short and shallow, they can't store much carbon. And what is our podcast called? Carbonly <laughs> Conversations, right? They don't belong. They don't belong in, in you know. So... That's why the land has to be tilled. And for all of my no-till fans out there, perennials, I mean, you don't have to till your land. You know. Oh, my goodness. Some of the most carbonly farmers out there are big no-till people. Um, so, yeah. If you like looking pretty for a season, but you don't really care that much about the earth and the soil, wow. annuals are the way to go. But... At the end of the day, I didn't even have to give much facts on perennials because there's so much negative facts about annuals on this subject. All I had to do was just throw those out there. 
I'm I'm debating whether I even like ask Steven for a rebuttal because I'm not sure how he's gonna like dig himself out of this one. <laughs> because if he digs it out, like it's only gonna reinforce Shane's point of don't no till. Listen, you want you want strong soil, plant a tree. All right. Plant a tree. If we, if we are here for you, a good, you heard it here. Pl- plant some... a perennial. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, but drop if one, if... I'll drop one more bomb on you, real quick. Right. So the the just, long just finish the job. Of, yeah, this is the the long root <laughs> system of perennials support the soil's health by providing structure, preventing erosion, and successfully sequestering lots of carbon. So perennial crops eliminate the need for annual tilling, which helps to build both to both build and maintain nutrient rich soil. I mean, it's just a fact, you know. So, so I'll say this: I was like, I thought perennial, like I had biased opinions on this coming into this, but I thought Stephen did a really great job of like, here's how the annuals, <laughs> like in the short term, improve this health, like that consistency, that reliability over time. And then Shane came with like the finishing moves of a pro pro um, Mortal Kombat. Like I I think he, he, yeah, he he was he he. If if we're gonna go back to our old sales days, like you always be closing and you know when to anchor. Shane just schooled us all of us on on that carbonly way, so. I mean, I thought we were going to end up at a tie and we have to like judiciously talk about this. It's like, no, it's very clear. (laughs) (laughs) Perennials wins soil health by like a long bar. But in the spirit spirit of like the annuals wouldn't have a place to grow unless the the perennials have established that soil. Carbon Lay listeners, our friends, our mothers, like we just thank you. We appreciate all of you. Um, thanks for tuning in to this Carbon Lay Showdown series, the first of many um, yep. annuals versus perennials. We clearly have a winner today. Perennials <laughs> just. I don't like the way you're saying clearly. We could just have a winner. Yeah, yeah no, we, we're all like, winners. We're all yeah, winners per- perennials buried us with the soil health. So, wow. Nice pun. Nice one. Last, it was that was a reason. There was a reason I put that that one last. <laughs> well, I just knew that was the finishing move. So, <laughs> Steven, yeah. Steven's gonna know better. Like, well, the next time Shane puts an outline together, I'm gonna pick the last topic. <laughs> yeah, but regardless of what you choose, annuals or perennials, you are doing a great thing by beautifying the world, helping the bees and butterflies. We would love to hey send us pictures of your gardens. We would love mm-hmm. to see them, mm-hmm. um, or your Mother's Day flower baskets, or you know whatever it is. Send us some pictures. Send us um, those photos. You know we'd love you to can, see them. You can email us at carbonly at gmail dot com. Yep, and if you have any ideas for our gardens, let us know. Let us know. This was fun, gentlemen. What a great carbonly conversation. This was fun. Take care, listeners.